Welcome to the It's All About Relationships podcast with Dr. Marty Folsom. Today, episode 19 is looking particularly at fear as the greatest power, but the least noticed in daily life and often is not the best influence. So we're dealing with some of the problems that are associated with fear. So sometimes fear is like what shows up in the darkroom, the negatives show up in fear and they bring out in us something that produces something that's not good in our life. So somebody who is driven by fear is going to be somebody who is always going to be afraid, looking for what's wrong, looking for the negatives. And I think we don't notice the role of fear in our lives, so it's really important to pay attention to. And it just so happens that in the Bible, some form of do not fear, don't be afraid, don't worry, don't be anxious is the most common statement of what not to do in the Bible. So there's something really present in human life that fear has an impact on, that it stops us from. And so I want to say fear takes us out of reality. When we're afraid, we're not actually engaging the reality of what's going on, though it feels very real in the moment. Um, the acronym, if you take fear, F-E-A-R, as an acronym, fantasies experienced as reality, it says that we're musing in our mind about what might go wrong, and that is a fantasy, that musing in the mind about what might go wrong means that it's not actually real, but it becomes for us the potential engagement that might happen, so we fixate on that, and it shuts us down. So if we think about fear as really being super focused on yourself and how am I going to survive here, then we can think of fear as an ultimate concern for the self. And the opposite of an ultimate concern for the self is an ultimate concern for others. And I want to say, while still maintaining love and respect for yourself, and that's a definition of love. So we often think that love and hate are opposites. But I want to suggest that love and fear are opposites. And the nature of the focus of where our care is focused is what is at stake. When we're just concerned about ourselves or just care about ourselves, we lose touch with others. Whereas if we're really concerned about caring for others and ourselves, then we're really being present to what is there in a way that is the fulfillment of our humanity. So I want to suggest Jesus is the ultimate fearless person. He comes and does and says things with people who don't like him, who ultimately kill him because he's so motivated by loving the marginalized, the outcast, um, everybody who doesn't maybe really love themselves. He's so committed to that that he's willing to give up his fears of his own self-protection and all that. So he is somebody who shows us what a human being living a love-filled life looks like. When we are full of fear, what we do is we shut out connection. Because when you're in fear, you create this void in your relationships. Um, it literally sucks the air out of your relationship. So it really is like a vacuum that takes away what is good and what happens between us. So it might be said also that fear isn't just the experience of an individual. You can have a whole society of fear. So to say today we live in a fear-based culture. If you watch the news for about 10 minutes, you can end up being very afraid of the future, afraid of what's going to happen with um, 
your finances, your job, your family, the future of your kids, the future of the planet. Fear just seems to come up everywhere. And so when a whole culture feels that, a society is bound together by this fear of, oh no, what's going to happen if? And then you get politicians using that. You need to vote me and or this bad thing's going to go wrong. And so fear is used to bind us together and to go behind a person who we don't always recognize um, is just manipulating our emotions and not really giving us a vision for building a positive future. <clears throat> so to say we're bound together by fear as a culture, we end up with rules for behavior, which can be the kind of rules that you get in a classroom, but they can be rules of, you know, don't talk about these things. Being politically correct can end up just being fear, where people end up saying, I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing, so I'm not going to say anything. Well, that's not very helpful either. So the ability to recognize that leadership that really is empowering is going to be one that helps us to recognize our fears and helps us not to be afraid, but to build constructive ways forward. And often leaders in our life, they just constrain us from doing things, or they punish us if we do some things, or they manage us in a way where we have no freedom. But I want to suggest that's not really leadership. That is just a, a management style that's controlling and binding people and not really helping them to be fulfilled. These are all about self-protection, and companies tend to be self-protective, so they often put in a lot of rules and regulations to defend themselves. The, good, the better companies, I think, are asking, you know, how do we work together so that this is an excellent company that provides excellent customer care, but also takes care of our employees. And that taking care of part, that means fear is not what guides us. There's something else that's going on. When you have a culture that's all about fear, guess what they want to do? They want to defend themselves. So what do they want? They want guns. They want to be able to be angry in public places and have people say, I'm just exercising my freedom of speech without recognizing the trauma they're creating for other people, or people just end up in silence. And of course, when when good people are silent, um, then people who are loud and angry and all that are going are gonna to rule the day. So this silent piece can just end up keeping us hiding. And so to say, many people in our culture just hide. They put on masks, they... Uh, People please, they just do what they think other people want because they can't show up actually being true to what it is that they're about. They end up isolating themselves from their houses, their rooms, or their favorite bar. But the way to health, if we're going to really get to health, we can't just deny that fear is there. We need to be honest about our fear. And that's what I say to people in marriage counseling is the first thing you have to do is just say, you know, I'm afraid here. Can we talk about it? Because if you just say, you know, you're doing this wrong or um, you know, you're being such a bully or whatever. If you accuse the other person, that's not going to help. But if we can confess, I'm afraid, and I'm afraid of what? And then to ask, can we do something about that? You're inviting the other person into the possibility of something that's going to work for everybody that's involved. I think the whole nature of what, what I understand is the gospel is that God has come to us to love us so that the very context of our life is one of being loved unconditionally so that love becomes the dominant motif of our life. There are things that others have done to us or we've done to others where forgiveness is letting go of the judgment that comes from the fear of it might happen again. And when we can't let go of those things, we blame, we feel ashamed, we feel guilty, and it shuts us down because of the fear of not being accepted. 
So to say the gospel is always about acting restoratively. How do we get people to get over their fear, to be able to come together, to be reconciled and to heal, to connect in ways that are appropriate to the nature of what's going on? There are some people that are abusive, and so you don't want to put yourself in a position of vulnerability, but you do want to say, I don't want to live in fear of you. And so I want to find appropriate ways to be protected from that, but also to to not have it dominate my emotional life. For some people, the church, unfortunately, becomes a place of fear. They're afraid to go into a church because people are going to um, tell them they're wrong or going to tell them they want their money or something is going to be taken rather than given. And so to say those kind of churches, I talk about the cancer of fear in those places, the very sense of people wanting to make life better for you. If it's not what you really want, it just appears, some, it appears to be something that is intruding into your life as cancer does. So inside the church, it's very possible to have a culture of fear, and even with churches that don't intend it. We have to be honest and recognize who are we trying to love and embrace, and is what we're doing really engaging that. And then when it comes to getting out in the neighborhood, to not just knock on the doors and talk at people, but to really say, what does it look like to go out and to be friends? to overcome the fractures and to just be good neighbors and say, I know who I am. I'll tell you, I want to know who you are. Let's be neighbors. That is an act of overcoming fear. It's not like you're bringing the fear word up, but it's saying, I'm not going to be stopped by the fact that I don't know you and you don't know me. Otherwise, when fear is there, we just get polarized. We're polarized by our age. The old and the young don't understand each other. We're polarized by our ethnicity, by the color of our skin, by our political position, by our gender. There's so many things that can polarize us that we really need to learn to be attentive to say, I'm not going to let fear stop me from people who are different from me in whatever kind of way. And people who are conservative, they're afraid of change. They want to conserve, which means to keep things the same. They're afraid of change. And so it keeps them from having conversations with people who are called liberal. And to be liberal means to want to change things. The fact of the matter is this. Everybody wants to keep some things the same, and everybody wants to change some things. But we have to learn to identify what those things are and have conversations about them to even begin to break down the walls there and to recognize those labels don't really help us. They are actually just fear-based labels that don't facilitate the conversation. So if we can get back to renewing the center of what life could look like, and that is to say that we are created to be love-based beings. When we're functioning in love, we're in what um, one addictions therapist calls the living process system. We're not just worried about being people who some are controllers and some are controlled, but we're all asking the question about how do we be part of a living process to build community together. In attachment therapy, this is called having secure relations. And if you can hear that if it's secure, that means there's no fear. If it's insecure, that means there's a fear going on. And so the study of why aren't people attached to their family, kids to their parents, um, people to the other people who are around them in the neighborhood. Why isn't there attachment? Because they're not secure. So fear has to be dealt with. In AA groups, the whole nature of what it means to be sober is that you've learned to be honest with God, yourself, and others in a way that recognizes the challenges that are there. And so you have a sponsor, you have people who help you 
to have sobriety. And sobriety is an honest evaluation of yourself and others that's not afraid to look at those things. And in family systems thinking, differentiation is the ability to be yourself and to let somebody else be who they are and to have that be okay which means you're giving up the fear of what are they going to think or what if people really know me, which either one of those is you or the other not being able to show up as they are. So the very definition of health in a family system is the ability to overcome the fear that keeps us from honestly being who we are. Fear often just becomes a form of self-protection, and that's all we can think about is I need to watch out for myself. Nobody else is going to do it for me. What we don't recognize in that is that when we're looking out for ourselves, we are losing the other. We may lose the God who loves us because we think that that God's going to try and take something away from us. We may lose the neighbor because we're afraid they're not going to want to do it the way we want to do it, or they're just different from us. And we really end up losing ourselves because who we are is persons in relation. And so if we can't be in relationship with our family, our friends, our neighbor, and even God, we end up losing who we are as beings in connection. And so what we end up doing is we end up losing our voice. We end up losing our ability to speak to others. We end up not being able to hear the voice of others, what they're really saying instead of just what we perceive they're doing by observing them and not really listening to them. And so to say the God who speaks in the person of Jesus, he speaks to us words of love and restoration, reconciliation, renewal, connection, positive ways of being. And it moves us to a place when we listen and respond with love, where there's something that is like returning to what is supposed to be there back in the very beginning of the garden when God created Adam and Eve in a garden to have a life together of caring and being cared for. And the nature of what is called the fall, the outcome of that was one of fear and ultimately hiding. And when God came looking for Adam, he says, where are you? And Adam said, I, I was hiding because I was afraid. So there it is. The very nature of the fracturing of humanity is in this way of being that is separated from one another because fear is there. So think about these things. Don't be afraid of fear. Have courage to take on fear and to recognize that's what courage actually is. It's seeing the fear and doing the loving thing anyway. So thanks for joining us today. And check out what's going on over at drmartyfolsom.com. And thanks for being with us at It's the All About Relationships podcast.